back to another episode of e-commerce on tap brought to you by sourceify my name is nathan resnick and today we're joined by bill from one rail bill thanks so much for joining us thank you i appreciate you having me nathan so before we get started i want to learn more about one rail how did you get started with this just incredible logistics business yeah i didn't plan on it i have a career-long entrepreneur a lot of companies get started when you least expect it and I was in a home improvement store, one of the leading home improvement stores, and I was trying to buy a refrigerator. That's where my whole journey started. They told me it would take 10 days to get it, and it was there in the store. This was about eight years ago, seven years ago. That was the beginning of my journey in Last Mile, and what I ended up building, the first iteration of what got us to where we are today, was an on-demand moving and delivery company. So we did on-demand moving, delivery. We were like Uber for moving. But after doing that for a few years, realized there was a much bigger opportunity and there needed to be a lot more software to really connect this ecosystem. And instead of being the courier, I realized I need to aggregate all the couriers. So today we have a platform that's a system of record connected to a network of 12 million drivers that's all managed by a team in Orlando when things don't go right. Wow. Wow. That's pretty incredible. So 12 million drivers all across America delivering all sorts of goods. Who's your typical type of customer? Because I'm thinking like a large big box retailer, also maybe a high growth e-commerce brand is handling their last mile logistics. Who's your typical customer? Yeah, so we're working across retail, wholesalers, manufacturers, healthcare. But I could tell you, we, we take a lot of pride in how we mastered Fulfill from Store. Our customers include Lowe's Hold Improvement, Advanced Auto Parts, Tractor Supply, and Menards. The list goes on and on. And we also work with companies like PepsiCo, American Tire Distributors, and so on and so forth. We can work with smaller companies. We do that through Shopify. But when it comes to servicing a company directly, they're typically Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, or large mid-market. Got it. Makes sense. So let's talk about Shopify because a lot of our listeners run brands anywhere from a million to a hundred million dollars a year on revenue through Shopify. And how would a Shopify brand use you to their advantage? What does that kind of last mile logistics look like with your platform through for a Shopify merchant? Yeah, so we just completed about two months ago our first build to put OneRail inside of Shopify. So we're in the App Store. If you're a Shopify Plus merchant, you can access OneRail. There's no integration required, which is amazing. We can turn it on within 24 hours. It's all configuration-based just like a lot of the other apps in the Shopify store. So if you're a merchant, you sign up, you configure, and you can be shipping within three days to a week. And it gives you all the different, all the advantages that it would if you were a large merchant where we would do a two to three month integration, you get access to that 12 million driver network. Got it. So it sounds like it's a more efficient way to ship products for a Shopify merchant because instead of just using S or whatever it may be, they now have so many options depending on their location to get their product delivered. Yeah, the needs of the customer have changed so much. Merchants, especially that fulfill from store use case, want to be able to deliver same day. And it's not just a consumer concern. When we think about how customers have been rewired, if you think about Amazon, you know, what they did to accelerate e-commerce, Uber, what they did to rewire our brain for the now economy, DoorDash can have food anywhere, anytime. That whole mindset has had a huge impact on the consumer, but you have to think about the reciprocating effect upstream on B2B. So we're doing a tremendous amount of B2B. This isn't just a consumer phenomena. It's very much a B2B phenomena, and they're very interrelated as well. 
that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious because your main focal point is obviously on last mile delivery, but what is your favorite part of the supply chain? Do you love to understand how products are manufactured? Do you just love focusing on how do you get a product to a business or consumer as efficiently as possible? What do you as an executive love in the supply chain? Uh, first of all, I never spent a day in this industry before being an unhappy consumer. So it started first with being an unhappy consumer, then a curious entrepreneur, which kind of led me down this path. I'll be honest. I love where I am. I, I love the last mile because first of all, that's where 52% of the cost is trapped and it really shouldn't be. It's also the final impression, right? It's the last impression that a retailer, whether they're an e-com brand or a big box retailer, or even a wholesaler, it's the last impression that you make on a customer. And that's where I want to be. That makes sense. I'm curious. Let's dive into the cost because I think a lot of merchants that are listening don't realize what actually contributes to the cost that they see when they're shipping their product. And so I'm curious, what did that cost breakdown look like? And how do you get to that price point that you're seeing to ship, let's say, a pair of shoes or hats or whatever it may be? You know, what's interesting, one of the biggest learnings that I had was there's a very inefficient mismatch between what's being shipped and the mode of transportation sometimes. And a good example of that was when we started with some of our earliest retail customers, we would see, a, let's say a five pound package go in a sprayer van and it was a hot shot, meaning it was just going from store to destination, store to consumer. So the inefficiency of the matching that happens to say this carrier but first of all, this mode is the right mode, whether it's parcel or courier, and this is the right carrier. And there's no logic that does that in a transportation management system, in a TMS. OMSs have pretty good capabilities around wiring to parcel, but it doesn't have the ability to smart select the mode. And it certainly doesn't have the granularity to pick the right fleet asset to minimize costs. So not only is there a huge cost implication to that five pound package going on a sprinter van or a box truck. But there's also a huge sustainability concern. We're burning way more gallons of fuel than we need to. And then the other part of it, Nathan, would be the inefficiency of how orders are batched in sense. So something we're doing and that our software does is it says, hey, if this is a same day, anytime order, or if it's a next day order, we don't have to send it hotshot. We can batch this order and run a route and reduce the shipping cost by 50%. While also, again, sustainability is a top concern for everybody, but meets the sustainability goals of our customers and their customers as well. That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious because I feel like there's so many times where I've gotten a package from Amazon where it's a shampoo bottle, but it's in this huge package. And what software in general is used to determine how to package a product and actually understand how do you route orders, right? Because I would assume with one rail, you can determine, okay, we should use inventory from this store or from this 3PL yeah. to be able to route the package that way to these set of customers. And so I'm curious what actually drives that and how does one rail determine that outcome of that package that's delivered? Yeah, Nathan, I've done a lot of speaking and I've done a lot of interviews. Nobody's ever asked me that question, but I love it. If you think about the history, I'm a student of the space. Any industry I go into, I become a student of it and I make it my life. So if you go back to kind of day one of e-commerce all the way up until now, most shipping has happened out of DCs, 
right? The auto warehouses, DCs. So it's centralized inventory. And what's happening is, again, if you're a retailer, even if you're an e-com brand, if you're a retailer, you're using your store as a warehouse now. So you have decentralized inventory. And if you think about an e-com brand, they now have access to micro-fulfillment and other means to get product closer to a customer. But if you follow that train of thought, packaging decisions used to be made in the DC and they still are. But when it comes to the store, now what do you do? How do you make that packaging decision? There's companies out there that are in a category called cartonization technology. So what they're doing is they're looking at the cube, the weight, the dimensionality, min and maxes, and they're maximizing the shipping efficiency by picking the right type of carton. We work with a company called Pecurate. They're a partner of ours. They're working with a lot of retailers, an up and coming brand. But OneRail doesn't build that technology. That's where kind of we draw the line and right. we rely on a cartonization partner to do that. Got it. That makes sense. So it sounds like you interact and work with a lot of big box retailers and larger retail stores that want to do last mile delivery. A lot of Shopify merchants always wonder, how do these larger box retailers handle cash flow? And especially in this period of where we just went through maybe two, three years of growth that really fueled the e-commerce world the past three years. And now we're seeing a bit of a slowdown in e-commerce, but the industry is still growing as a whole. How do you see a brand, a big box brand of that scale, managing their cash and just overall supply chain differently compared to a Shopify merchant? So relative to a big box retailer, I think there's a lot more efficiency if they have the right technology and the right supply chain in place with elasticity being the most important thing and modality, being able to be fluid in mode selection. Fulfilling from store is immensely cash efficient. Because if you do it right, first of all, you're balancing. You hear about rebalancing and balancing inventory. If you know how to do this, and a lot of our customers do, you actually rebalance inherently based on which store you pick to fulfill from. And that's something we do. We actually help our customers determine what's the most efficient store based on demand cycles, based on a heat map of demand. Demand planning has always figured that out. But then there's this dynamic nature of who's going to walk in the store versus what orders are going to come online. So when it comes to the cash flow, you see a lot of retailers right now and shippers of all types making investments so that it will help them with long-term cash flow around their inventory. So if that makes any sense, it's really just smarter balancing. Can balancing be systemic, right? So well, you don't think, need to have a separate activity called balancing. Yeah, I think a lot of the challenge stems from not many e-commerce brands that expand into retail actually distribute through their retail. So whether you look at like Allbirds right. or like a feed hoodies, like they don't actually distribute their product through their retail locations oftentimes. And if they have inventory in their retail store, that's siloed into that store and not accessible by customers that are, you know, shopping online or asking for delivery or whatever it may be. And so I think that's a really interesting point that you brought up in terms of what separates a big box retailer that can distribute their product and use that inventory in their store dynamically versus an e-com brand that might separate retail from their website. I'm curious, what kind of changes has your business had to make in the current climate or what are strategic bets, big strategic bets that you've been placing this year? Obviously expanding into the Shopify ecosystem is one, but I'm curious what else. Yeah, great question. And when COVID hit, we had nine employees and we were doing about 300 deliveries a day. Today, we have 170 employees. We're doing almost 200,000 deliveries a day. So we've been using AI for three years. 
Yeah, it's pretty pretty substantial increase in volume. We've been using AI for three years. And when we started, one person could manage 80 deliveries a day on our exception management team. Today, one person can manage 3,000 deliveries. So we have a leverage of about 71 to one labor leverage that we're using because of AI. So we're going to continue building out AI elements to the platform to remove labor cost for our customers and for us. But the biggest thing, Nathan, on the roadmap is really focusing on fulfillment. So I feel like we've mastered last mile. Nobody has a bigger network on the planet. Now what we're doing is we're focusing on inventory decisions, helping customers with inventory placement. We're starting to get into micro fulfillment, which is super exciting. And then when you marry the transportation we have with the inventory visibility and decisioning, warehousing and returns, you have a complete turnkey omni-channel orchestration platform. That's awesome. So by fulfillment, do you mean 3PLs or what specifically within the fulfillment world are you intertwining with your platform? Yeah, what we're doing is, first of all, we're gaining a lot more visibility to inventory so that when an order comes in, instead of it defaulting to a specific pick location, which is how it typically works, we're making a decision on what is the best store or warehouse or micro fulfillment center to fulfill from. And that has a huge implication on time in full, reducing the overall cost to fulfill inventory slash out of stock risk. So there's a lot of different decisions that are wrapped into that one effort. And then when it comes to warehousing, we actually are taking a lead at leasing, pick, pack, and ship, actually providing that full service capability for our customers. We have a number of e-com brands that we're working with right now. And we're excited to launch that product in the first quarter. So it's a complete fulfillment solution from when the order is made all the way through a customer rating. That's awesome. So getting more vertical in the supply chain in terms of not only last mile delivery, but also fulfillment. And I think that's going to be a huge value yeah. add for e-commerce players, which makes a lot of sense. I'm curious with that growth, which is incredible. Congratulations on that. That is just incredible to Thank see you. a business grow at that pace. That's amazing. What was a hard lesson that you had to learn the past three years or an unlock that you realized through that growth that either enabled that growth? So curious if you have a hard lesson that comes to mind or an unlock that stemmed from that growth. Yeah, I'd say one of the bigger things that we learned was just to keep focusing on time to value. We have some huge customers that have multi-thousand store rollouts. And one thing that we have to constantly remind ourselves of is not to boil the ocean. I like to use the term, find your leverage. I spoke last week or two weeks ago now at Home Delivery World, and that was really the focal point of my presentation, which is, hey, there's all this stuff going on. There's getting a connected supply chain, then there's executing transportation and optimizing it. There's the whole warehousing and fulfillment component, then there's returns. You can't do all those things perfectly at once. And as a company that considers ourselves really a partner, not a vendor to our customers, we really work hard to advise them on that. And I feel like the lowest fruit, the very lowest entry point of time to value is getting last mile stood up the right way. Then you could start working on inventory and cartonization, things like returns. You can't master returns if you haven't mastered having a transportation network that's elastic and flexible. That makes sense. Bill, thank you for coming on e-commerce on tap. If people want to reach out to you or learn more about OneRail, where can they get in touch? 
always at onerail.com, or you can always email me, bill.catania, my last name, C-A-T-A-N-I-A, at onerail.io. Awesome. Bill, thank you again for coming on e-commerce on tap. And thank you everyone to listening. Please subscribe, comment. It helps us grow. And thank you again, Bill. This was fantastic.